You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to Smart Sex, Smart Love. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Finn Deerhart, who will talk about the meaning and purpose in sex. Finn is a practitioner with Queer Couples Center in San Francisco. He has 14 years combined experience in social anthropology, wellness coaching, spiritual counseling, sex and intimacy coaching, and personal development. He is also an on-site coach and writer of educational erotic content for Himero's TV, an online service providing explicit content for queer men looking to find meaning in eroticism, strengthen erotic skills, and create a sense of loving erotic community with other men. He's also a student of Modern Sex Therapy Institute, where he's working on his certification as a sex educator or sex therapist? Counselor. Counselor. Sex counselor. Great. Mid-range. The (laughs) mid-range. All right. Good. I'm so glad you're part of that. Well, let's learn from you today, Finn. Welcome. Mm. Ah, Thank you. Beautiful intro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's yours. It's your your background, and I'm so glad to have met you because I don't think I met you through Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. It was before that, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I've, I've appreciated your work from afar. You know where it was. I um I didn't meet you at the Masculinity Paradox Conference in 2018, but I talked to Esther about. I was lamenting about the lack of gay men in my life around these themes and topics. And she was like, that guy over there, you need to go meet him. That's Joe Court. But you were like surrounded by people. So I just, oh, all right. but, oh, but I, we, I yeah, we reached out over online. Thank you. Well, I'm glad we did reach out and I've, our work does overlap and I've learned so much. And I, with your permission, have taken stuff from your work and, and credited you because it's so oh. good. So I, I'm so glad to have listeners have an opportunity to meet you and hear you. Hmm. Thank you. Yeah. So let's just start. How does someone begin to uncover his, her, their erotic identity? <laughs> well, I'm glad I have my coffee. Uh, <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think, you know, um, let me think here. How do I start that? I, I would say often myself, like how I, the, how I came into that question was like noticing the behaviors that I had sexually weren't necessarily lining up with what I felt on the inside. And then in working with men, it's a similar thing. You know, it's like, well, you know, you might do this, 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 and this because that feels comfortable or that feels like what you like to do, but the doing itself isn't, you know, that's not the the goal necessarily, like to have or to acquire or to to perform and noticing that there might be an internal life that isn't showing up in your sexual practices. And so starting to uncover that, what is that about? And like looking into fantasy and looking into emotions and things that, things but spaces for men that are kind of challenging often and what's the challenge for them what 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 makes it challenging i feel like like knowing like what knowing what they're feeling you know like i I feel like men and i'm generalizing clearly but there's like this bad rap that guys get around like oh they don't know their feelings right i'm like well they don't and that like let's (laughs) yeah like what about that let's be compassionate about that um and helping men feel like what is it that I'm wanting right now? And not necessarily wanting is like an activity to do sexually, but like, how do I, you know, do something with my body sexually that really illustrates how I'm feeling on the inside. And that that's an internal process, you know? So 
I think that helps uncover the erotic identity because erotic identity is so much bigger than what we do in with the sexual repertoire that we have, you know, and, and a lot of men find that maybe if they've been identifying as a top, for instance, that they're actually maybe a whole host of feelings that they have that they aren't necessarily um, exploring in their sexual practice that would take them from the top role and move them in towards the bottom or vice versa, you know, like all these different dynamics that we feel that are complex internally as individuals and, and letting sex be a vehicle by which we communicate that um, is a different approach than like, I think I want to get this friction today and get off, you know? Right. So your work is more like uh, instead of dealing with somebody's issues that are not sexual and then entering into the sexual realm, you go right into the sexual realm. Totally. Yeah. It's like the window in, I feel like, you know, for me and that, you know, um, it's, I feel like, around sexuality there's so much of a compartmentalization not only behaviorally but also around how we describe it and talk about it where it lives in our conversations and where it lives in our culture and just different communities you know how people modulate where sex lives and it's typically over here on the side um or there's like an identification with it that's really really like this is who i am this is front and center this is part of my community this is how we connect this is you know, we're friends we have sex first and that's how we become friends but that like um, really exploring, I guess, the inner nuances of it um, isn't so much available to people widely. And so I say, like, what if we take sex and look at, like, what we're doing and use that as a window to, to the whole person, like, internally, like, what's going on for somebody? Like, how are they utilizing sex to, um, you know, reach personal growth aspirations or to deal with wounds and or, or all of that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's a window, I think. Well, what do you would say? I'm thinking about gay men listening to you and saying, wait a minute, I know what I like. I'm a top. I'm a bottom. Right. I'm versatile. I know how to fuck. I know the guys I'm attracted to. What the hell is this guy talking about? You're talking about more than that. Yeah. And I get that a lot, too. <laughs> right. I know. Um, yeah. And I also get guys that go, I know. Tell me more. You know, so it's kind of a, it's a spectrum. But, you know, that this idea of preference, I would say, you know, there's this quote by Elaine de Baton that I love so much about, and I can't, I'm paraphrasing it, but like the larger part of what we know of ourselves as identity and personality are defenses against vulnerabilities that we felt in pain. And it's kind of a reaction type formation. And so I look in the sexual space in the same way, you know, like, sure, you might be a top. What does that mean for you? You know, why? Like, how does that, how does that influence how you move, what you move away from in yourself? In the sexual space, it even actually shapes how one moves his body, you know, like the form of the body communicates internal attitudes and assumptions and all kinds of stuff. So, yes, you might really love those those aspects of your sexuality and they might be, you know, kind of a a defense against places in yourself that are not a top or a not, a, you know, this preference is that, I mean, I don't know if this is coming across, <laughs> but it's like, be curious about it. You know, like, what does it mean for you? Like, how does this serve you? Like, what is, um, are you noticing that sometimes you're not um, satisfied? Which that's kind of an entry point for a lot of guys that will come in and do work with me is they're like, I'm having lots of sex and I'm really, you know, identifying with this particular aspect of my sexuality, but I feel kind of bored or I feel like this, like, you know, numbness or a split inside. And then, you know, that's the entry point. So I think bringing in a a whole spectrum of your awareness, but if someone isn't curious about that and they have that kind of like, you know, whatever I know what I like, then I say, okay, enjoy it. I mean, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. You're really, you're basically saying that um, sex can be a lens into personal growth. 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So rather than just taking it as face value, and that's what I want people to hear, you also talk about um, sexual pleasure. You know, we don't talk about pleasure enough. It's becoming like a buzzword, actually, in sex therapy, because it's been a forgotten word. And in fact, the World Health Organization, in describing sexual health, used to have the word pleasure. But when the Trump administration took up... Trump administration took over, uh, they removed pleasure. So the pleasure uh, is a controversial topic. Can you speak to that? It is controversial. And it's also, you know, like, I think when we're little kids, again, this is a broad stroke, but uh, like for myself and then for a lot of the guys that I work with, you know, pleasure is, it's an, we organize around um, pleasure as we, we're like wanting to go towards something that feels good. But then when we're like also, um, you know, feeling like in danger because of what we're wanting as kids and especially, you know, in a, in a, compressed kind of environment where being gay might really, you know, be in trouble or hurt or some sort of, you know, ramification about it. Um, pleasure gets really complicated. And and so then our pursuit for pleasure ends up being also complicated as adults, you know, like feeling like worthy and allowing. And even in the in a physical space in a relationship, even it's like, can I receive pleasure? You know, I that's that's been challenging for me. Um kind of speaking to these defenses, you know, it's like, oh, I can only receive oral sex if I'm, you know, being this guy, you know, you know, kind of like inflating, persona. yeah, persona, inflating something about myself or like earning it somehow or like doing something to receive it. And these kind of themes, you know, so I think when I say organizing around pleasure, um, I mean, like we're bringing in a whole host of stuff into just the pursuit for something that feels good. And a lot of people think, oh, this feels good on my body or on my dick, but there's like, it's an entry point into like, well, you know, how do you acquire that? Why is this, you know, problematic in the life? Again, it's like a lens in. And people are like, feel complicated about it, right? I mean, they do. Like masturbation, it's like it, you know, I, this idea of like pleasure, right? Like I, I use the word self-pleasure on purpose to, to just, you know, move these associations about masturbating aside, like what that means or like, you know, kind of wasting your time or checking out or, you know, but to like really move it forward and position it as it's something that really is of value in life. What would you say, um, we're, like we're talking about pleasure, we're talking about desire. What are the elements of desire that you talk about? Ah, yeah. Um, so elements of desire, that's a that's a framework I've been working on for a while that it's just, I've kind of organized a lot. I mean, clearly we have sex for so many different reasons, you know, besides just the idea of pleasure or wanting pleasure. But I started to think about like, just in working with men, how can I position these um notions that like when we're going for sex we might actually be going for a kind of like you know agency like i i I have mastery over my life and that's how one really shows himself that by like going and being chosen or um you know sensuality like meeting a lot of the the needs for like the softer side of (laughs) maleness you know guys will go towards sex to try to satisfy the needs for vulnerability or to the need to let go of persona and um, so I organized it into four different categories just to talk about it with people and have them start thinking about like, well, when I go for sex, what is it that I'm really looking for? Is it the physical experience or am I actually looking for like, you know, being attuned to? And, and if I'm wanting to be, to be attuned to, mm-hmm. you know, and if I'm wanting attunement and I select a sexual environment or a sexual, um, you know, experience where I'm not gotten, well, I feel kind of like confused about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it just trying to bring some awareness around that, you know, so it's like if I'm wanting, um, you know, sex for kind of power in myself, well, then I'm going to go towards an experience that helps deliver that, you know, so I mean, I think that for my own journey, I've been in sexual situations so much in my life, where I'm like, well, part of me feels like I'm really enjoying this. 
Um, but other parts to me are feeling bored or checked out or ambivalent or not really wanting or even maybe even wanting to be out of here. And you're kind of like, what is that? Mm-hmm. So and getting guys to talk about that piece is, is where the elements comes in. And then like, OK, maybe I'm really looking for a specific emotional satisfaction here or some kind of aspect of myself. And I'm using sex to try to acquire that. And then we can actually say, OK, well, let's use sex to, to create that experience and, you know, be more nuanced in how we approach sex. I like what you're saying because I've always said, and this is anecdotal, I've not done research on it, but I've been a gay man a long time and I've been working with gay men a long time. And I just see sometimes the hookup culture seems like higher levels of masturbation. I want to get fucked. <laughs> I want you to fuck, you know, I'm going to fuck you. And guys will say to me, sometimes I'm, I'm fucking some guy and he's on his phone looking for his next grinder hookup while mm-hmm. I'm fucking, you know, it's like they're not connected, which is fine. I don't judge that if that's the mm-hmm. kind of sex you want, but it seems like, my thought is it's kind of the norm among gay men. Do you think totally. that? I yeah. do. I do think that. And I think it speaks to, again, this idea of compartmentalization. Like it reflects to me, one thing that I'm actually sensitive about and really trying to help, um, like, you know, people have, you know, um, what's the word, like criticisms of the apps, you know, and I'm saying, well, it's not the apps that are like causing the issue. It's like yep. the lack of awareness that we're bringing into sex in general and then here we have this like handy little device like apps and phones that helps us further what we're already experiencing before they even you know came around so yes um you know guys are having these chats and they're you know it's like more narrow than what's possible through sex Mm -hmm. and so i kind of look at it like it's a way for men to establish a kind of safety and like know that they're going to get what they need you know like they don't know like that they could just like kind of show up and be open and expressive and find a way with somebody they need to know what are you going to do how are you going to do it this is my preference you know you just establish these parameters to feel like okay i'm going to get what i want yes (laughs) um and the idea that they could just you know meet someone and see where it goes it's kind of a foreign concept to a lot of men Right, right. It's because the hookup culture, especially in the gay male culture, is just so easy. It's transactional. It can happen fast and it's all good. But you're saying, hey, let's take a deeper look. If you're interested, there's something more here that for you that you can have access to. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's important too to highlight the fact that like, I think this is my opinion that I'm interjecting, but the gay men are doing kind of this like cultural um, work inadvertently even like trying to establish a kind of permission you know so like the gay culture as a whole and like the app culture to me seems like it organizes a lot around like establishing permission like I'm allowed to do this I'm allowed to do it when I want how I want with whom and just you know like this kind of like um I call it the gay sexual rebel you know it's like you can't tell me what to do I'll have sex with everybody you know (laughs) like which is fine you know but there's something I think in like integrating that in because you know it's almost like maybe we react against like being told no. And it's like our sexual pursuit still trying to establish, I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to feel something, you know? Um, And then then the next step beyond that, like, okay, I have permission now. Now what? (laughs) Now what do I do with that? You used a word earlier. I want people to understand when attunement, right? We use it as therapists. It means being, uh, well, you tell us, you tell us what it means. Um, well, it means like being, I, I use it as like being gotten. There's actually, you know, Dan Siegel has a really beautiful um, definition of it. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but like really being like understood and gotten and like, and um, yeah, seen exactly. And like for, you know, what we're wanting to be seen for. And it's like, ah, oh, I'm gotten. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I feel seen. I'm seeing you. You feel seen by me. And that kind of goes into dovetails into the Tantra work. Could you tell people what Tantra is and how is it uh, applied for gay men? Yeah. Um, 
Well, Tantra is like, it means the weave, you know, and I don't, I'm not, I don't call myself a Tantra practitioner or a fa- I do facilitate Tantra, but it's not like my main thing. You know, oh, it's not okay. like this is, I'm not like, it's not my path that I, um, because there's like a classical kind of like, you know, religiosity to some of it. And I don't um, practice it in that particular way. But what I do is I utilize the tools in Tantra and some of the philosophy there to help illustrate what I'm, you know, teaching or like learning even in my own life. And so to attunement, yeah, there's a, it's a bi-directional thing. There's like, am I being seen? Am I being gotten? Uh, and then there's like, well, am I revealing? Am I showing? You know, am I like able to show what I want to be seen for? And I think what Tantra has done for me and my work, both personally and professionally, is given some embodied tools and some you know, ways to take what people are learning in therapy and like their awareness and like put it into a practice in the body so that they're actually able to experience something that feels quote unquote sexual, but it doesn't have anything to do with what they've experienced so far. Like, for, like, what, like what you mentioned, the apps, you know, so being in a, a workshop space uh, or even with a partner or like an intentional kind of, um, you know, like, like a fuck buddy that's like where we're just going to work on some stuff together, you know, where there's intentionality there. Um, it allows a space to open up and like explore the vulnerabilities, explore what's really happening. Kind of like these ambivalence moments I was describing, like, why am I feeling repulsed and turned on at the same time? Why am I, you know, pulling away and avoiding whenever it gets close, that that kind of stuff where we like use it as a lens to say, let's use our physical contact as a way to see ourselves and our own like growth path in general. So it situates it in that kind of lens versus like, you know, sex feels good and I like it and I do it when I want, you know, that, kind of in, in um, I guess, like kind of elevating it to one's like spiritual focus, if you will. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. That Which makes sense. Spiritual meaning like inquiry and meaning and purpose, not as in spiritual as in some sort of theological perspective. Or religious. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You, you Can you talk a little bit about fantasy? You describe it as the map is not the territory. Uh-huh. The map leads us toward our own relationships to power, not objects and situations. What does that totally, mean? Totally, totally. Oh my God, I love fantasy. It's my favorite aspect of sexuality uh, and beyond sexuality, actually. I think fantasy, people talk about fantasy often like it's like, I use this analogy, like we're, we're in an art gallery and we're looking at a picture on the wall. We're like, isn't that hot? Look at that, that's so sexy. You know, it's like this kind of like static thing that one wants or can acquire. Um, and fantasy is... Um, it's like a the projected kind of like uh, dialogue with the unconscious that's coming out of us continually in whatever form, you know, whenever we're sitting at work and we're like, oh man, I just really want to go <laughs> get a cup of coffee. That's kind of, that's fantasy. Like something's arriving as an urge and impulse. So around sexuality, you know, with men, it's, you know, why did you have sex with him? Because he's hot. Okay. But why? Like, why is he hot? Like what's hot? You know, how do you experience the hotness? How do you feel about yourself? You know? So that's the entry point. Cause and they, we have to kind of learn that it's not a static thing and that it's actually, oh, I'm making this man or this object. I'm making him mean something to me. I'm experiencing an internal dynamic about myself through this object. You know, even something as simple as like a sexual position can unlock a lot of meaning. And I, with guys, like here's one of my most favorite ways to illustrate this. It's like everyone get on your knees and they all kind of, they all get on their knees. And it's like, first thing that comes to your mind, they're like, I feel horny you know, worshipful, um, angry, you know, and, and like, okay, great. Look at all that association from just a body posture. Now lay on your back, open your legs, you know, and then there was like, Oh, excited or like a lady or, you know, and then there's all these different kind of associations and that helps go, okay. Fantasy is a way that I'm transforming my sexual experience into something meaningful, even if I'm not aware of that meaning, you know, like it's how I'm changing the moment. We call it, it's like enchanting sex. Mm, I like that. Ooh, wait, what does that mean? Enchanting sex. 
Well, it's like sex is like a behavioral thing, right? It's like a function of body parts. It's like sex, it's friction, it's an activity that we like, you know, it's codified in a kind of behavioral realm versus like enchanting. It's like, oh, that's moving. It's mythical. It has meaning. It's like you can be, you know, whatever archetypal kind of thing you're trying to be. And then you can step in and into that and out of it. And it gives it a lot more flexibility than like, oh, you're six foot three, you're a top. Great. You know, that, that's so um, rudimentary compared to what's possible in my mind. I just love that. I love that word um, enchanting. I love the idea because I do hear from friends and clients that as a top, they have to assume a certain position. They have to play a certain role. It's, it, it's very vulnerable and uncomfortable to have to be mm-hmm. that rather than just be themselves who just happens to be a guy who likes to be a top. hundred percent. Yeah. I say that it, 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 like topping and bottom are not identities. They are, um, verbs and they're actually skill sets and we, to fantasy in particular whatever we fantasize about we're attracted to it like it's stating an internal problem that we experience in our formative years and a solution to that problem it, it, this in this projected version this is the right conditions for me to feel excited and turned on and then it also points to a skill set so if i'm attracted to a certain man like maybe he's maybe he let's use this example he's large he's this so i assume that that means something he has a kind of agency that he can help me let go so okay i'll let him taught me but also i'm attracted to a kind of skill set in that like oh i need to learn how to let go oh there's a certain kind of agency in like taking the power back in that so when i'm attracted to a fantasy it's a skill set that's embedded in it and that can really transform my sexual experiences uh, far beyond just having the excitement and maybe just that one sexual moment now, how do you work with gay men? Do you do workshops? Is it one-on-one? Is it couples? What do you do? I do all of those things. Yeah, I've been doing some virtual workshops, actually, during the pandemic. Um, my favorite thing is workshops. That's something you and I have connected about before. Like, yes. the, the space of, like, how it becomes very mythical, you know, and there's, like, a ritualistic aspect where it's ended in time and people really open up and that's a that, I love that space um but I do one-on-one work with guys and then some couples as well I would say my my um I guess my niche is mostly working with individuals that are like hey I notice I want something different in my sexuality they're not necessarily coming with like a problem that they need to like have some support and help in as much as often as guys that are like I'm feeling bored I'm feeling stuck I really want to work on some like fun exciting ways to really explore myself what's next kind of space um and then the workshops all kinds of stuff yeah exploring the elements of desire. I do that in workshops, um, fantasy interpretation workshops, super fun. Yeah. And, and I know people want to understand their fantasies because sometimes it bothers them. Like, where does this come from? I shouldn't have this. Um, it's like, you know, what you enjoy during the day. If you're a gay activist during the day, you might be a, a gay faggot at night. Or if you're a woman totally. that is anti-rape, but you like to play rape at night, like it's, it doesn't, it's not politically correct. Totally, because it's actually, I mean, it's in an amoral realm. We're talking like instinctual urges and sexuality. They're, these are not like harnessed by the ego and like turned into some sort of thing. Like we're like, I feel that. And then they point to um, our, I would call, this is my phrase, phrasing here. I, I don't know how you know authoritative this is, but like our broken relationships to power, you know, so um, this forced sex, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's like a, it's a power relationship that we're trying to explore through this sexual language and imagery. And of course it like, can be hard for people to understand because the general knowledge around sexuality, I think is just so clunky and like, not, (laughs) we don't know, like, you know, so then we have all these fantasies that have all these forces in them that we're like socialized to not look at in ourselves anyway, like our drive for power or our drive to like, you know, to compete, you know, there's certain channels in our lives in which that's acceptable, but in just a daily interpersonal interaction, 
to want to be better than someone or to want, you know, like that these are like, oh, we don't think that. Uh, but then sex shows up and it's like, oh, but we do think that <laughs> we do have these yeah. urges. And then how do we play with those in a way that's actually conscious still? And I think people would be shocked listening to you, especially straight people who think gay guys are just all sexual. Even lesbians may think that about us, you know, that right. we're just doing everything. And we're so open and we're so but there's a, a level that we're not right. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You mean like a, a level that we're not sexual? Yeah, that we're not as we're not as we're not as um, mastering it as much. We're not as in, involved in it. We may be having it, but we don't have a level of understanding. It's one dimensional. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I do believe it. And I think that, you know, again, as I'm saying, I think the gay men do kind of do this like collective work for the culture in general, about establishing permission, you know, like we might be able to go to these parties and do stuff with our bodies in a way that like maybe heterosexual people in general don't have a whole lot of permission around. And that's not true in every place and everywhere. Right. But um, in a lot of places, like there's a very scripted role. Um, So we have this benefit of being on the outside and exploring all that. But then there's a, there's a pain on being in the outside too. You know, like it's like I'm an outsider and then I kind of have to kind of bear this for the culture. You know, I think in terms of shadow, we, we bear a lot of sexual shadow for the culture in general. It's like y'all get to be those people. <laughs> Maybe before we end, you could just talk a little bit about shadow since you do shadow work. Oh my God. I love shadow work. Yeah. Okay. So shadow. Uh, well, um, you know, this idea of instinctual urges and the, the realm of like, what's real. I think for me in my life at this point in my journey, um, noticing the contradictions in self, you know, like that there's a moment where I like have one opinion and the next day it's like a completely opposite opinion. And I can kind of side with that. And, and maybe these are about even my values, like something really deeply personal to me and noticing how I'm inconsistent. So that that's an entry point for people to like, just kind of think about like what lives on the outside that my you know preferred self image doesn't, you know, touch. And even like this, you know, like my role is, a, is in teaching and like working with guys, I come up against all the time. This is a role that I'm stepping into and a place that I'm holding. But then like, if you look at my, you know, dialogue with my partner or something and see me acting like a total child sometimes and just like, whoa, what is, you know, so that all has to do with shadow. Like, what am I not telling myself? What am I not aware of? What lives in this place that I can't really see, but it's actually showing up in my life all over the place and like yes. driving a lot of my behaviors or notions, you know, and um, can we work with that? Yeah, we can totally start playing with that and working with it. And it, it brings us more personal power. Right. Freud called it the unconscious. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, then it was Jung who said uh, he called it the shadow, right? Totally. Yeah. yeah I love it too. You do? I do. I think it's a yeah. great way to teach. I do. Uh, um, I do like oh. journaling about it, you know, just like daily, just, I, you know, suggest to people quite often, like around their sexual values, for instance, you know, sexual values or behaviors or to kind of get a deeper look, have a journal that you hide and you don't let people see and you write down every single honest thought that you have and just go back and track it and look at like your inconsistencies and look at the like, oh, am I lying? Kind of, or, you know, like like all these different aspects of how we're living our lives, but it doesn't really live in the like, you know, the fan who's showing up in the mirror and like trying to be a coach. (laughs) Like it's, I'm trying to make space for that, you know. Yes. Thank you, Finn. This was really, really good. How can people find you? Oh, um, finndearheart.com. F-I-N-N-D-E-E-R-H-A-R-T.com. And what about Himero's Live? Can they find you there? Oh, totally, yeah. Like Himero's Live on the apps. Wait, on the, um, I would say Apple. Yeah, or Google. It's on all the app uh, podcasts. Okay, and we'll put it on our <laughs> website. They'll totally. be able to find the links. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Himaros Live is the podcast that accompanies Himaros TV, um, the subscription channel that is um, erotic videos for men. And yeah. All right. And Instagram too. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, Finn, thank you so much. Uh, it was great to have you. Maybe we'll do you, we'll do it again. You know, it's a, so much material and I want everyone to just, it was a great introduction and overview and loved mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. if you enjoyed this Smart Sex, Smart Love podcast, remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and now I'm on TikTok at Dr. Joe Court. So I'll see you there and be safe and stay healthy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and you can find me on JoeCourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.